Hey, let's open our Bibles, Matthew chapter 3. We're moving right along here. Uh, last week we looked at um, Joseph. We studied about Joseph, this leader, quiet leader. And he was, he was faithful, and he was obedient to the Lord, and he was following God as the, as the leader of his home. And the Lord spoke to Joseph repeatedly, and Joseph listened. And he, he did what God told him to do. Did anybody remember what God told uh, Joseph to do, the first thing he told him to do? Get up. Yeah, you remember that part, right? Get up. Get up and get moving. Get up and protect your family. Get up and go where I tell you and, and stay there uh, until I tell you. And Joseph, he just simply obeyed. He didn't, you know, we don't have any words written that Joseph spoke. But we have an account of what he did. And what he did was obey the Lord. And he did whatever God told him to do. Step by step. One step at a time until they finally got to Nazareth where Jesus was raised and in those silent years and this quiet, ordinary life that they lived, you know, uh, the, uh, you know as a carpenter or whatever and, and just living, you know, just this long period of living that we know very little about in those years. Chapter 3 now, where we left off, chapter 3 begins with John the Baptist. What a contrast in personalities, wouldn't you say? Joseph, again, quiet. John the Baptist, this guy was not quiet. He was like loud. He was dynamic. He was, and some would say he was crazy. He was out there, this guy, uh, John the Baptist. Difference in personalities was, you know, were one of them, you know, more important than the other? Well, you could say John the Baptist. Jesus said that John the Baptist, you know, there wasn't anybody greater born among uh, women than John the Baptist. But, but in God's sight, really, you know, Everybody's different. We all have different gifts. We're all different. Some are, are loud. Some are quiet. Some are, you know, uh, um, skilled in crafts and, and those kinds of things. Others can do, you know, like other kinds of, of labors and that. But each person is important. I think the Bible makes it so very clear. Each one of you is important in what it is that God's called you to do. We have different gifts. We have different ways to serve, different personalities. Matthew chapter 3, verse 1, it says, In those days, John the Baptist came. In those days, again, is, is about 30 years later. John the Baptist came. John was also, if you recall, John was also a miracle child, wasn't he? He was a miracle child because his parents, they were old. And they were not able to have children for, for a long, long time. But, but they got to this place and God said, You know what? I'm going to give you a son. It wasn't the same as Jesus. We talked about uh, the, you know, the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Now, that's a, in a whole new, whole new category, a whole separate category. But, but John the Baptist was a miracle child, too. He had, God had a plan for this guy. He had a, a plan for his parents. John the Baptist, we don't have a lot of information about where he grew up, how he grew up either, though, do we? All of a sudden, there he is, John the Baptist. All of a sudden, John the Baptist is on the scene preaching, it says here. The only, the only word we have about it is found in Luke, and it says this, The child grew, and he became strong in spirit, and he lived in the desert until he appeared publicly to Israel. This is where we see him appearing publicly, but up to that point in time, it doesn't even tell us when he moved to the desert. Did he live there his whole life? 
I don't think so. But at some point in time, he went out and he lived in the desert. This guy had this period of time out in the desert. And I believe what was happening is God was preparing him for what he had planned. In the desert, he was preparing him. Have, you, have any of you ever been to a desert? I know there's not a desert right around here. It's not a desert, you know, within an hour's drive, is there? That I know of. You've got to drive a long way to get to the desert. How many of you have been to a desert? A lot of you. Man, I thought you were from Rhode Island. How did you get over there? You must have flew. The desert, you know, it's just this flat, flat area, you know. There's not much out there, not a lot going on out there. But it says he lived out in the desert until he appeared publicly. And God was working in his life, I believe, and, and, and doing things, shaping him, molding him. You remember the story about Moses, right? Moses, you know, he, he grew up in, in uh, the Pharaoh's court, right, in, in Egypt. And then he kind of got himself into a little bit of trouble, and he ends up where? In the desert. The King James Version says on the backside of the desert. Not just in the desert, but on the backside of the desert. He's so far out there, nobody can even find him out there. Moses, who thought, and correctly so in one sense, who thought that God had a plan for him and God was going to use him. And it, that was true, but not in the way that he thought. And so he ends up on the backside of the desert for 40 years. 40 years on the backside of the desert. What was God doing with Moses out there? He was preparing him. He was preparing him for what he wanted to do. Maybe you're, you're like in the, in the desert in your life and, and, and you think, man, nothing is happening. These years and years, nothing is happening, but God is able to shape us and mold us. And so often it's when he gets us away from all the action, all the activity. He's got that, he's got that place where he's going to just, you know, uh, uh, file away all those rough edges. That's kind of what we're talking about here today, the preparation of God and our part in being prepared. Now, John the Baptist, John the Baptist he, he really, they call him the forerunner to Jesus because he was the one who would come before him to herald his appearance. But this, this voice that came, John the Baptist came, you know, does anybody know how long it was since really anything much had happened? Like 400 years. Israel had had all these promises and, and, you know, that the Messiah would come, but for like 400 years, there was nothing happening. There was no voice. There was no prophetic voice, no one speaking. And so when John the Baptist came on the scene, they go like, wow, we have been waiting for such a long, long time. And finally, finally, something is here. Something is happening. And John the Baptist came and he and, and obviously we know his, we're going to read about his message and ultimately he was the forerunner pointing to Jesus, as we'll see next time. But, but he was in the desert and, and he was raised in the desert. He, he was out there for a long time, prepared in the desert, I should say. But now it says he's there. Look in verse one again. He was preaching in the desert of Judea. Maybe he liked it out there. Some people really love the desert, you know. I'm not sure why. I like, I like a more variety of, of, of terrain or whatever. But, but he was out there preaching, and this is what his message was. Look in verse 2. And he said, he was saying, over and over he was saying the same thing. He was saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. We, we saw in our, in our over, um, 
overview of the, of the book of Matthew that it's all about the king. It's all about the kingdom of heaven. John the Baptist comes on the scene after all this time, and, and the first thing he says to them is, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. It was a very simple message. And I think that's good because we are simple people, at least I am, and, and, and sometimes I read things and they're so complicated, but it was simple. And the simple message is this, and, and some would even say it was kind of confrontational. It was kind of in-your-face kind of thing. It wasn't like a Joseph ministry. It was more like, you know, in-your-face, like, repent. And maybe that's the way it was, but again, you know, God has different um, you know, ways of using people, and that's who he was. But his message was simple. It was this. It was change your, your direction. Change your direction and turn to God. And that's as simple as the, the whole deal. Change your direction from whatever way it is, and if it's not to God, change it to God and, and, and follow the kingdom of heaven. Where kingdom, the kingdom of heaven is where God rules, where God reigns. You say, well, John the Baptist had this message, but Jesus came along and said, you know, it's okay. Everything is fine. Did he say that? Do you know that he came along and he said the same thing? John the Baptist said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. The first thing we read about Jesus preaching after the temptation here in in, uh, Matthew chapter 4 is that he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. So if John said it and then Jesus said it and John was, you know, the one who would be the forerunner to Jesus pointing to him and Jesus said it and it's all about Jesus being the king, I think we should probably what? Listen to it and, and, and see how it applies to you and to me. He says, repent, make a change of direction. Make a change of direction. Well, maybe you and I are heading in the right direction right now. Maybe we are. God only knows you and your heart and me and my heart, the direction that I'm going, the, you know, the focus of my life and my, my heart and, and, and the focus of my life. He knows what that is, but... but But the message, we should always apply these things and ask ourselves, if Jesus said it, if John the Baptist said it, others said it, should we we listen to it? And how would that affect me? Am I listening to the kingdom of heaven? The kingdom of heaven is near, he said. It's right here. And, and, you know, we don't have to like... And I think um, Martin Luther kind of got this right in terms of, of, you know... The, the period of time he lived where, you know, it was like you had to do all these certain things to like get, you know, to get close to God. And, and he tried everything. And, you know, uh, finally he realized, you know, it was through trusting in God that, that, we, that we turn. And, and so the kingdom of heaven being right here and you and I, what do we need to do? Do we need to like get ourselves perfect, get ourselves right before we can do anything? No, it's a, it's a change in direction, a change in focus of our hearts and lives. Where heaven rules in us. Look at verse 3. It says, This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Isaiah the prophet, he, he prophesied about the coming of John the Baptist, as did many others like Malachi. That, that John the Baptist would come and this voice would come. 
And he would call out, and, and that word means to, to cry out with great feeling, that, that John was crying out in the desert to prepare the way for the Lord. You, you know, do whatever it takes, whatever you need to do. John prepared the way for Jesus. And John also was telling the folks then, and I believe he's telling us now, is also to prepare the way for Jesus in our lives. Whatever that means to each one of us. I don't know every one of you. I don't know what's going on in your life. I'm not sure if I want to know what everybody... I, I barely can know what's going on in my own life. But God knows. And, and, and you're here, I believe, this morning to find out, like, well, what does God want to say to me? What does God want to do in me? And, and John the Baptist has a word for each one of us. Prepare the way. Make straight paths for him. Again, not get perfect, but prepare for him. Do whatever we can. In those days... In those days, they would, they would send out people to prepare the road that the king would take, right? If the king was going to go visit somebody or go on a trip somewhere, they didn't have, you know, like roads like we have. Well, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but they'd have to send out teams of people to get the road ready for the king because it was, you know, they didn't have paved roads and all that. To get the road ready for the king. There was a road crew, so to speak. It says about King Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles that, that, uh, that he had prepared his heart. He had prepared his heart to seek God. Prepared his heart to seek God. John the Baptist said, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Go out and get the road ready. Whatever you need to do, remove those obstacles. Maybe there are some obstacles in your heart and in my heart, in, in our minds, in our lives, in, 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 in any part of our lives. There are certain things that are just obstacles or like big boulders in the way and that, you know, that carriage is not going to be able to go through. I saw on the, on the news, you know, they're talking about filling all the potholes in Providence. And they had like, I don't know how many crews out. Filling all the potholes in Providence. And they had some special new stuff they could put in there and do it now instead of waiting till everything dried out. Because it's hard to get around with those potholes. But maybe I was thinking about our own lives. Maybe there's some like serious potholes in our lives, you know, that, that make it hard to get through. And, and, and if there's anything that like is in our way, in our lives, we need to say, God, what is it? Ask God like David, David did in, in uh, Psalm 100 and... Um, 39, you know, search me, O God, and try me. Know my heart, know my thoughts. See if there's anything wicked in me and, and, and lead me in the way of everlasting. Every one of us, we need to do that. Uh, the writer of the Hebrews says, uh, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the, the race marked out for us. Let us throw it off. And that speaks of action, right? That speaks of activity. Now, again, these aren't works that we earn a place before God, but, but, you know, preparing ourselves for Him is something that we need to participate in. He talked about repentance. Again, turning, making this turn in our lives. What else, what else do we do to prepare to make those straight paths for Him? We, we pray, obviously, when we, when we take time to pray, when we take time to seek his face when we when we spend time in his word those simple basics that bob was talking about this morning 
of Acts 2.42, when we spend time in fellowship and, and you know, the, the, the being together with other believers, you know, the iron sharpening iron, and we're helping each other kind of prepare ourselves for, for the Lord. I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, speaking about um, he, uh, uh, John the Baptist. There's a whole, you can, this whole chapter is like, uh, you know, 65 verses or something about this, but we'll just look at a couple here about John the Baptist. It says, many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. See that message there? You see the stuff that's going on in there? This idea of bringing, bringing people back to the Lord, back to God again. We wander, don't we? The book of Hebrews talks about it, how we, we, we can wander off course and find ourselves in some other place where how in the world did I ever get out here, out on the ocean, if you, you know, don't keep the motor running in the right direction you, and you just begin to drift. He says to bring them back to God. He says there to, to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, the people prepared. He's doing a work in the hearts, in the hearts. And, and, and it's interesting, he mentions about the hearts of the fathers to their children, the family, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, ready, a people prepared to the Lord. Then jump down to verse 76, uh, that same chapter, 76. Zechariah, his father, uh, is, says he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he was prophesying over his son, and uh, <clears throat> there in verse 76 says, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for Him, to give His people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. Boy, that's what I want. Is that what you want? The Lord to, to do those things, to give us salvation, forgiveness of sins because of His tender mercy, the tender mercy of our God. What a sweet prophecy, uh, this man, again, over his son, to guide our feet into the path of peace, that we would be prepared. And the message of John the Baptist is, is Find the right direction. Repent. Turn to the right direction. Follow after God. You know, make, make that, that heart prepared, ready for the Lord. Let's go back to Matthew. Chapter 3 and verse 4. Look at this guy. He says that, it says there that John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. This is not your typical preacher, right? I don't know that he would make it on TV. I don't know that he would, you know, make it onto the, the, the cable channels or whatever. There's something about this guy, but, but he had a message, and his message, again, was so simple. 
But if you looked at him, and you can't always judge a book by its cover, right? The guy wore these like rough camel's hair, you know, rough. You know, if you've seen a camel up close, you know, the camel's hair is pretty rough and coarse. And like, I can't imagine wearing something like that. And he ate bugs. You know, he put a little honey on them. But, you know, he still ate bugs. But he, his dress and attitude, it was a lot like Elijah the prophet. And, and, and I don't know that he was trying. Maybe he, Elijah was his, you know, his guy that he wanted to be like or he just happened to be like him. But he was a lot like Elijah. As a matter of fact, he fulfilled the prophecies about Elijah because in, in Malachi it said that the Lord was going to send someone who would be like the prophet Elijah. In fact, he says in, in Malachi 4, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. And he dressed like him. He was kind of acting like him. But Jesus said, you know, if you're willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. Again, they, the, closing the book, the Old Testament, that the Lord said he was going to send his messenger who prepare the way before him in Malachi chapter 3. And he, it would be the prophet Elijah. And Jesus said, this guy is fulfilling that passage about Elijah. Will Elijah come physically again? Well, possibly, but that's another story. Matthew chapter 3, verse 5. People, notice it says people, though he was kind of strange. He's out there in the desert and he's like kind of a weird guy. People went out to him. From Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, uh, you know, and, and it, it was difficult to get where they were. And again, there, there was no like roads and traveling was very dangerous. But they heard that the, the voice was there again, that, that after all these years, 400 years, that God was speaking again. And I got to get out and I got to hear what God is, is saying. And they, they at, at, you know, at uh, great effort, they went to where John the Baptist was to respond People responded to the message in the word, and, and you and I need to make a response to his word. It says they confessed their sins. It says they were baptized by him in the Jordan. There was something there that they knew they needed to respond to. A.W. Tozer said this, God will take nine steps toward us, but he will not take the tenth. He will incline us to repent, but he cannot do our repenting for us. He'll take the nine steps, and he, I, I believe he does it all the time. He's, he's showing himself the tender mercy of God. He's, he's there for you and for me. But, but there's still that one step that you and I need to, to turn to him. He won't do it. Otherwise, we would be like puppets. He won't do it for us. That's the one step that we need to do. Turn to him and say, Lord, Lord. On the road to Damascus, you know, God got a hold of Paul's life, but Paul still had to make that final step and say, Lord, Lord, Master. Verse 7, But when he saw, John the Baptist saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to him where he was baptizing, he said to them, I'm so glad you're here. He said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Oh, John, you know, we need to get, you know, some tact. We need to help you in your, you know, speaking ability. You need to kind of help people and build up their self-esteem before you, like, you know, 
Get in there. John, you know, he saw these guys coming, though, and he said, you know what? You're like a brood of snakes. You're like snakes. And, and, and these were the religious people of the day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Pharisees, they were, the, they were legalistic. They, you know, they, they, they clung to the words of the Scripture. And they were very religious about it. Their hearts were another place, but they were, you know, you know, that's, you know, we use the term being like a Pharisee where you're like just so legalistic and that. But the Sadducees, on the other hand, they were like liberals. They didn't believe a lot of the Bible, the Old Testament, and, and their, their whole thing was political. They liked the political power and the, the high priestly office, was, you know, was from them. And, and so they, they kind of liked the power of it all. But now these two groups coming together, and we find in the Bible, these two groups, even though they, they kind of really didn't get along very well, but they were working together against two, against Jesus later on. But they come to them, and they come to John the Baptist, say, well, we got to go out there and see what's going on, and, and we'll check it out, you know, because we are the you know, spiritual authorities, and we do kind of need to, you know, monitor, you know, all situations so that we can, you know, be informed and, and be in control. And John the Baptist said, you're, you're a bunch of snakes. And he questioned their sincerity. Why are you really here? Who told you to come here? Why are you here? Why are you here? He said to them. He says that to us a lot of times. Why are you here? What do you, will you want something? Or are you really here just to follow me? Are you really here just to, just to be with me? He says, you know what? These are just words. But, but if you truly are sincere... If you truly are sincere, he said, you're going to show by your lives that you truly have made a change, that you truly have turned towards God and, 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 and away from yourself towards him. He says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. I was thinking about this, you know, we can do that sometimes where, you know, you, you can turn your head, but keep your feet going in the right, you know, in one direction. So you're walking like this. Well, before long, you're going to what? You're going to run into stuff, but... But the fact is, we try to do that. We, we're, I'm going to follow after you, God, but we're walking like this, and we're looking, trying to look at him, but, but we're, our feet are going this way. He says, no, what? If you're going to do it, do it. You know, turn completely. Don't try to do this half and half thing, neck one way or head one way, feet the other. If you're going to follow after me, follow after me. It's better if you don't follow, you know, try to do it at all, if you're just going to be kind of half-hearted about it. That's what, that's what John the Baptist is telling these guys here. You talk about being spiritual. You know all the words even. Paul the Apostle, he said, I preached. And this is right after he became a believer. He says, I preached that they should repent and turn to God and prove their repentance by their deeds. And then he says this, that is why the Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me. They tried to kill him. Why? Because he had the same message John the Baptist. Okay, repent turn to God, but then live that way too. Show that you really are, you know, making a change in your life. So many times, you know, we can do that. We're just kind of, you know, we say that we're following after God, but our lives show something completely different. And what's the word for that? Hypocrisy, exactly. People say, you know, I'm not gonna, I don't want to go to church because there's a bunch of hypocrites there. Well, you know what? Jesus wasn't all that excited about hypocrisy either. John the Baptist wasn't excited about it. 
Paul the Apostle wasn't excited about it either. Do, are we hypocrites at times? Yes, we are because we're, we're sinners and we need to you know, uh, you know, have correction. You know, but God doesn't accept it. Hypocrisy he doesn't want it in our lives. Consistency is what he wants. Verse 9, And do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. In other words, they were saying, You know what? We're in. Abraham is our father. We, we're in by birth. We've made it in. And you know, the truth of the matter is this, is that God has no spiritual grandchildren. God only has children, no grandchildren. You know what I mean by that? If your parents, let's say, are believers and you say, well, you know, my, my you know, parents were, were Christians and so therefore I'm a Christian. It just doesn't work that way. They're saying, you know, we're, you know, we're related to Abraham. We're okay. He says, don't even, don't even go there. Don't even say that. Jesus talked to them about the same thing. They brought up Abraham. He says, you're not even, you're, you know, he kind of ties into what John the Baptist was saying. He says, you are of your father who? The snake, the devil. You brood of snakes. He says, you know what? Don't even, don't even try that. He says, I could, I could raise up children from stones. It would be easier to do that than to say that you just, you know, you're, a, you're, you're Jewish, so you're okay. Each one of us, each one of us must turn to God. Each and every one of us. That's each and every person here today. Each and every one on the planet needs to come to that place. You know, raising children, I always knew, you know, there, there, there comes a time in their lives when each one of them has to come to the place where they say yes or no to Jesus Christ. I can't, I can't do it for them. I, you know, I, I do my best, to, uh, you know, I did my best to try to, you know, raise them and, and I, you know, uh, show them and lead them to Jesus Christ. But in the end, each one of them has to make their decision for Jesus Christ. Finally, verse 10, we're going to end with this. It says, the axe is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I like what Warren Wiersbe said this, God gets to the root of our lives. He says, for the root determines the fruit. The root determines the fruit. God gets to the root of our lives, the very depth of who we are. And that's really where it always starts and where it where it, where it comes from. Where is the root? Where are we? Who are we deep inside? Have we, have we listened to the voice that John the Baptist said, that Jesus said, that others said? Turn to God. Let him be the king each and every day. Prepare our hearts. Do whatever it takes to make straight paths for him. How much time do we have? Uh, John the Baptist, it was like an urgency in this verse here. It was like an urgency. How much time do we have? I don't know. None of us know. You know, we look at what's going on in the world, in our country. We say, you know, um, that's kind of interesting. And maybe it's just another up and down kind of thing. But who knows if, if, if this really isn't some of the, the things of prophecy that are all coming together. And, 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 you know, we're looking at the little nation of Israel. And we're looking at some of their neighbors who, you know, are... are, are uh, uh, bent on their destruction, who now are in the process of having nuclear weapons and, and very, very close to that. 
Well, how is this all going to play out? None of us know. He says, he says here, the axe is already at the root of the tree. It's, it's already there. Are you, like, are you listening? One fellow said this, you cannot repent too soon because you do not know how soon it may be too late. Let me read that again. I had to think about that for a second. You cannot repent too soon because you do not know how soon it may be too late. Matthew 24, we'll get to that. He says, you must also be ready because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect him. We don't know. But you can't repent too soon, but you can repent too late. Prepare the way. Prepare your heart. Prepare our hearts for the Savior, for the King. Let's pray together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and and uh, yeah, this is kind of like heavy words and right in our faces about, about our lies, but, but it's your word and it's John the Baptist who was speaking in, to the people then and your word speaks to our hearts today, Lord. And we, we come and we pray you would search us, Lord. You'd know our hearts, know our thoughts. Lord, they're bare before you, they're open. Not before anybody else, no person around us. No pastor, no priest, but only you can see deep into the depths of our hearts where the root is, what, what is really there or not there. And so, Lord, we come and we, and we say simply, Lord, what does it mean for me to prepare my heart for you? What does it mean to make straight paths for you in my heart today? God, I, I just, uh, I'm just here, and I, and I say, Lord. Simply say, Lord. And I, and I know, Father, that for you, that's enough for us to simply turn to you and say, Lord. We don't have to have a flowery speech or a flowery prayer, but it's a, a direction of our hearts, and you hear and you see. Lord. Lord. Here I am, I, here am I. We decide, Lord, to follow you and make that response to you this morning. Lord, I know there may be needs here this morning where people, and just things perhaps that are obstacles, potholes, roadblocks, and they just don't know how to get rid of them. I pray, God, you'd, sh- you'd show and you'd help. You'd see their hearts knowing they want to, they need help. You'd show them help, and maybe they will come for prayer up here this morning after uh, this prayer and and come for prayer but Father we know you're able to hear us and answer those prayers and help us we trust you Lord we trust you Lord in Jesus name Amen